Welcome to the Triple F Podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. (laughs) We are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Andrew Bridges a second time. <laughs> Our first episode with him was so fantastic that he and I just had so many things to talk about that we actually decided to wrap up a second interview together to kind of dig into his brain and his experiences even a little bit more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another show with Andrew Bridges. So Andrew, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing fine. Another day in the life. Yeah. Last time we touched on coffee, fashion. So let's flip over to uh, some from food aspects. You're a man that travels all across the globe for different things of art. You're one that'll try crazy things, do crazy things, do stuff just for the adventure. Tell us a little bit about some of your experiences with some strange, crazy, wild foods. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm sure I probably have eaten like weird things. Things, um, but it's you know a lot of people they'll they'll kind of turn their nose up at, at weird foods. They'll be like, oh, you know, they'll have kind of a reaction, um, and that's I always think of that as as kind of like you know it's reflex. You you have a reflex that you've learned that you've been taught. You know, oh, um, this is bad to eat. That's bad to eat. Or or maybe you know it's a personal connection. You have something from your past or history where you like had a bad experience with a food or or maybe it's even, you know, just like an emotional reaction where you had maybe you had like a bad memory connected to the food and so you just like have hated it all your life. Um, I try I try my best when I come into like a food I've never had before and just be like this you know people eat this other human beings eat this and love it so it must have some kind of redeeming quality uh, and I, I usually try and go in with an open mind um, to you know I'm, I'm not gonna assume that I'm gonna love it or even think I might like it but I'm gonna try it and try and you know, be as distant from my reflex as I can be. Um, I've, let's see. Um, oh, one thing, one thing I would say, um, I lived for a little while in New Zealand and I got to be in a little town called Hokiteka on the same weekend as the Wild Food Fest. And, and what, what, what that festival is known for, and you can Google it very quickly, uh, it's it's known for like having kind of the craziest, most ridiculous meats and foods and uh, animals in the most ridiculous combinations. Um, but it's it's unfortunately kind of devolved into like a frat party. 
uh, it, you go there and like there are all these like college kids from New Zealand in costume because for some reason there's a costume element to it and and they're not and they're not like this is not like comic-con this is not like awesome amazing costumes these are like cheap shitty frat Halloween costumes like you know the the all-over bodysuit or like you know a guy dressed as like you know dick man the superhero so it's like um, it's it's a little disappointing um, but the but you know in that I, I have a lot of friends that have eaten a lot of weird things um, and and to be honest like I can't even really think of something weird I've eaten I, I eat I mean I'm from Indiana like I am I was born in Ohio I lived for a, a moment like a hot minute in Alabama or in I'm sorry in, uh, near Atlanta and then I've pretty much grown up in Indiana since I was like six but compared to a lot of the people that I grew up with I have eaten some very strange things um, you know I've I've been to Korea and I've been to Japan and Hong Kong and and New Zealand and you know I, I think think probably some of the things that I like that I've that I've been exposed to would probably make some of my childhood friends nauseous um, but but for me like I you know okay you, you mentioned Korean barbecue in the past like um, I've I, I spent a little bit of time in Korea, and I had had like minimal, like super minimal exposure to Korean food before I went. But then when I went, I was, you know, having it's 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 South Korea. South Korea is more, I mean, it's it's more industrialized and developed than most cities are in America. Like the technology is much more prevalent. Um, it's much more prevalent in daily life, in public life, and it's it you get you get a sense that you kind of like live in the slight future when you're in Seoul, um, but but also like there they have radically different food. And when I went there, I was not. They have McDonald's. They have Taco Bell. A friend of mine, an old friend of mine, she loved. McDonald's apple pies like those shitty in cardboard apple pies and and she and she also like her her late night drunken favorite food was Taco Bell which any anyone that's been to Seoul or Korea like I yes I would go to Itaewon which is kind of like the club international district where all the Americans go to get drunk uh, and there's a Taco Bell like across the street from the main club street and it is packed. There's a line out the door. It's two stories. It's massive. Um, but uh, I didn't. I didn't want that when I was in Korea. And I, you know, I, I, I did my best to eat not anything I knew. Like I did not eat at chains. I did my best not to eat. Um, Oh god, just I mean just name a franchise you know and they have it in Korea and it's like a mega store everywhere you go. Um, no no it's well and and I'm like I'm kind of anti-chain in general. Like if when I'm looking Okay, and here, this this is how I can break it down for a lot of people. Um, when I go to a new place or even or even in my own home, I will Google map I'll look for restaurants or coffee. You know, they have that new coffee button. Oh, I love the coffee button. 
Oh, it's so good. And then I always look up top rated, and then I'll look on the map for the top rated, and then I'll I'll just get rid of anything that is something I know, like Starbucks, Tom and Toms. Um, oh God. Um, well, I mean, depending on what part of the country I'm in, it, coffee chains will be different. But anything that has a, a familiar title or a chain in the in the title, no, 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 I'm not bothering. Uh, well, and honestly, like, I f I've found that very reliable. Like, you, you go top-rated, and a lot of times, honestly, like, I'm a baller on a budget. I go cheap. Like, you know, they have on Google Maps for the restaurants, they have top-rated and cheap. So, and, and once you get rid of the chains out of that list, like, you're left with a handful of places. And, and those handful of places, they'll probably be pretty badass. Um, and honestly, that's that's usually my go-to. And then I always ask locals, um, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers. I will ask them, especially if they're not from America, what their favorite restaurant is, because because they are not going to any like upscale, overpriced, overvalued shit. They are going to like the the most authentic, like weird, off the wall, hole in the wall place you can think of. Uh, and yeah, I, um, I did a little bit of hitchhiking when I was in New Zealand, and I would always ask, like, whenever we got a ride, I would always ask, like, what what's there to do around here? Where should we go? We're here for a day. Like, what should we do? Um, and I I would always get like tremendous food recommendations. Um, but no, I mean, you know, if I I would. It, anybody that wants to like expand their palate or try something new, like you, you would be surprised like what could be on the next block or like around the corner from your home. Uh, it's a lot of times what I found is that the best places are just like you know those normal places that have been around for years and you just stop noticing them and they're not even on your radar. Um, in terms of Korean food. Oh my god, I could eat some delicious Korean barbecue several times a week and not get Do you have like a solid go-to at the Korean barbecues? Um, well, and like, okay, a, a, a solid go-to is bulgogi. Bulgogi is basically thin-sliced marinated beef. And it's marinated in what you can think of like a sweet soy sauce. And... You go to a Korean barbecue, not just a Korean like table restaurant, but a barbecue, where they have grills in the table, and they will bring you literally like a tray of of this beautiful thin sliced marinated beef, and depending on the place, they will either put it on the grill for you or you can do it, and you basically like it's it's like a barbecue. It's like a good old American barbecue. You are eating like right off the grill. And it is, you can't you can't get much fresher if you if you're talking about cooking. And then one of my favorite things this for anybody that hasn't had Korean and wants to go try it and like wants to storm in, no one feeling like they they have something. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the lowdown. You go in. You can always judge a Korean barbecue by the banchons. Banchons are the side dishes that they bring out before they bring out your food. 
And basically they're like little saucers filled with side dishes. Um, they'll a lot of times be marinated black beans with chives, um, and they'll be like a little sweet in, in like sugar and vinegar. Or they'll be kimchi. The, that it, kimchi is the Korean national dish. Which basically, it's it's like Korean coleslaw. It's marinated. Well, actually, it's um, a better analogy would be um, Korean sauerkraut. It's marinated cabbage, and it's pickled in vinegar and salt and chili and spices and a dozen other ingredients. Uh, it's a lot of fun to make. It takes like a day to make kimchi. It's a process. But it is, it is amazing. It's sour and, and a little bit sweet and spicy and very, very satisfying. Uh, but basically these banchans, the side dishes, there are two styles that I know about. And, and I get this, I, I could be wrong about this, this could be uh, regionalistic, but my, my good friend from Korea, my host, she always preferred king style banchans rather than country style. Country style they'll bring you like six. King style they'll bring you every side dish they have. They will fill the table and there will not be enough room for your plate. Uh, and and the beautiful thing about banchans is that they are unlimited and free. So you can eat, literally you can eat every scrap of food off the table and they will replace them all and not charge you for them. And you can do that as many times as you want. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> so it's... No, no, no. If, if you want a chance to overeat, like, to a ridiculous amount, go get some Korean barbecue in your belly. That's... With all the banchans, are they always the same kind of every place you go, or a little bit different? Like, what are you kind of expecting with these banchans that like, come out of the table? You, you gotta... You kinda... It's... Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and a lot of times I think of it like you have a taste of each because honestly, like most Korean places, they're owned by families and each family is kind of like has their family pride secret recipe. And so every banchan you have is like a little different, even if you had the same one. Like one of my favorite is garlic bean sprouts. It's it's these beautiful like fresh green, green sprouts that are marinated in this like slightly salty, a little bit sweet garlic sauce, and they and oh my god, I can have those every time I have Korean. They're so good. They're one one of my personal favorites. But everywhere you go, they're a little bit different because every family kind of has you know their own their own pride of secret family recipe, and you know they every. Every restaurant that has them, um, you know, a lot of people's bulgogi or their beef or, or pork or fish, they can be kind of similar. Um, it's it's kind of the same thing, like, you know, every family has their secret recipe, but, you know, with banchans, restaurants really try and set themselves apart, I find, in, you know, having something slightly different, having a specific flavor, having a specific taste, or, you know, just blowing you away in the quality or in the amount. So it's uh, when when I go to Korean barbecue, yeah, you know, you can overeat really quickly and like be full before you even have the main course. But but I, I like the banchans because it's almost like a little appetizer. You get you get to wet your whistle a little bit, have a little taste of this and that, and then the meat comes and you're like, okay, now I'm prepared. So on the grill, uh, everyone's sitting around the table sharing. Do you guys have like one grill master, or like how do you usually kind of handle that? Who's, who's in charge of that? Is everyone just kind of grill up their own food, or what do you usually do there? 
I, I, I gotta admit, I get a little handsy. I get, I get my chopsticks in there. You're really not supposed to use chopsticks, but I do anyways because I enjoy it. Um, in Korea, the standard uh, silverware are these long, flat, metallic chopsticks. They're usually stainless steel, and also a big, long, round soup spoon. Uh, th that's like the standard silverware. And so it's really easy when you're in Korea to to get in on the barbecuing because you have these long metal chopsticks. They're like tongs. I mean, if if they didn't want me to cook, they shouldn't have given me such convenient supplements. I mean, it's their fault, really. Um, I you know, and and depending on the restaurant, like some restaurants, the people do it for you. They they the waiters, the servers, they'll come around, they'll turn over the meat, they'll put it on the grill, they'll mix it up, and then they'll put it right on your plate. Um, some other restaurants, like they're very hands-off. They bring you the plate, and you you throw it on when you want. You cook it to exactly how much you want it cooked, and then you eat it as soon as you want. So it's it's you know you can either do it like structured or freestyle. You seem to do a lot of business overseas, traveling when you're kind of doing these art exhibits, things of that nature. When you're out and about at these awesome restaurants, are you just there with your friends, or do you sometimes have some alternate um, situations going on, like doing business or maybe a date, things of that nature? Well, and like, like to kind of fade into like a cultural lesson, like a lot of business is done over dinner um, in Korea. And and not and, and not just over dinner, but over drinks especially. Like the drinking culture is quite robust. And just as you would imagine, like a madman esque meeting going on in like a, a dimly lit, smoky, velvet covered bar, it you can kind of imagine that same thing that happens. Like it, and it's happened for years. Like it's nothing new, and it's nothing specific to Korea. But it still definitely is very alive. Like that idea of bonding and you know forming a new work relationship and partnership. Um, except it'll be in a very well lit, you know, very nice Korean restaurant, um, and you know you'll probably be super stuffed. Um, but no, I've had I've had many a meeting over an amazing Korean dinner with a huge amount of soju. <laughs> Soju, huh? <laughs> that sounds like a recipe for disaster immediately. Well, well, and, and any any business that's done in a Korean restaurant, you have to be drinking soju. And any, I mean, just in general, any business done in any kind of Korean format, you have to be drinking soju. At, at least in my line of work. I don't know about the rest of the world. That's what you gotta do. You gotta mix it up. Work, drink, let your hair down. That's how, that's how it is. That's how I like to operate, too. <laughs> Some places you can do that, some places you can't. What about you guys in the art world? Well, I mean, yeah, it's well, and and that's the thing. Like, I I work in art, and I worked for in, in galleries for a long time, and you know, it was a we we'd, we'd wait until Friday or Saturday at the gallery, but you know, during work, as long as we were getting our work done, you know, it wine o'clock would roll. Up around any time we like and wine o'clock might be four o'clock it might be one o'clock it just depends on the day um but yeah now it's I, I think i think in my line of work i can get away with it a lot more easily um and and i i will also state a caveat um i do not work in institutional art i work in contemporary art so you know i work for professional art galleries you know it's a business um, and and honestly, as 
as I do tell the people that work for me, you know, you you can drink and you can do you can do whatever you need to do so that you can work, but as long as you're on it, I don't care. <laughs> it's it's you know we 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 all have we all have different needs. You know we all have different desires and functionalities, and especially in art, my God. Um, and you know I've met a lot of deeply and and angrily. Uh, uh, functional drunks in art that that they they can let's say they can enjoy themselves in a, in a multitude of ways uh, with several different substances and be on the ball a hundred percent and it it um, it's frustrating but at the same time disappointing uh, but yeah yeah no it happens. Uh, but as, as long as you, as long as you get your stuff done, I think I don't know. I, I think it's okay. Um, I do I do usually try and have a, a specific amount of professionality, but you know, uh, so, sometimes you just need a drink. Sometimes you need to relax. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been there before for sure, without a doubt. You know, and and you know what I I completely agree. And a lot of times, you know, even. It, that even works on me sometimes. Like I'm, I'm a very, I, I'm okay. Clarification: Like I'm a bit of a nerd. Um, I, I definitely lean toward, like, um, I'm a skeptic and I'm, I'm a rationalist, and, uh, like, but, but at the same time, like, I'm, I'm very extroverted. Like I am, I love people. I like to be around people. I like to talk to people. Um, so my job kind of fits very well with that. I'm I'm a big believer in leaning toward your strengths. Um, but but you know, I do art fairs. I do ex exhibitions a lot. Sometimes you know I get my in my own head, or I get tense, or you know there are things on my mind, and as as much as I hate it, you know sometimes a drink can be a little relaxing, even if it's just one and it doesn't get to you. Sometimes it can just you know put you in the mood, I guess. Um, and uh, you know it's I'm I am a big believer. I I really don't like to get drunk. Um, I, I really sincerely dislike it, to be honest. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't give me any joy or pleasure. Um, but I do, I do enjoy, on the other hand, I do enjoy the experience of like a really well-made drink. And that's why I like to go to like a lot of like cheap hipster bars is because you can get like, you know, maybe it's not the highest class alcohol, but you know. You, you see these people, you see these guys with, you know, beards down to their nipples and, like, uh, this massive nose ring and, and maybe this beautifully done neck tattoo. And they are mixing just the most tasty cocktails that will cost you all of $6. And it's, it's the, I don't know, it's the pleasure of the experience being there. It's the flavor and the taste and the, the experience of the drink. Um, that I enjoy. Uh, a lot of I, I know several of my younger friends and and to be honest some of my older friends that that do quite enjoy to get quite soused uh, on on a severe end but 
for me, it's you know, I know I I'm friends with a lot of artists, and and I think many artists kind of lean toward introversion. Maybe they they're not the most social, they're not the most outward, and so you know sometimes drinking can give them the ability to be social or outward, or you know give them the chance to relax in a social situation. Uh, but may, maybe I've just never needed that that relaxing side. Um, so that's quite a bit about uh, food that we kind of touched on here. Let's loop back to the final part of the Triple F, fashion, fitness, and food. So let's focus a little bit on fishing, fitness here. You have a little bit of background in uh, fitness, don't you? Well, I used to, I grew up as a competitive swimmer. And um, when, I wasn't, when I wasn't in season, I would do track. And um, I did a little cross country when I was in middle school. But honestly, I couldn't, I, I think I just didn't want to keep up with the high school cross country. Um, that was honestly like swimming can, can burn you out. A lot of swimmers that you know finish high school, finish high school, and don't go on to college, you know, they might not swim again for years. Um, just it's 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 grueling, to be honest. It's it's on the edge of torture. Um, in in yeah yeah. In some in some cases it can be torture, uh, but it's. I think I think I didn't want to do high school cross country because it was just I, I, was, I saw the cross country guys. I saw that they were literally running like miles out of town to just turn around and run back. So I, I really didn't find that appealing at that time. Um, especially getting up at you know just shy of five o'clock in the morning to go to morning practice. Um, so no, well, and I and I did I did. Um, a little bit of instruction. Um, I was a lifeguard for for a summer, um, and I still I still swim as much as I can. Um, but you know, I really I I don't I'm, I I love you know I think uh, the same reason a lot of people become swimmers when they're young is that they love the water, or you know maybe they show an aptitude for it, or they join club, but. I grew up on a lake. Like I really do love the water, and I love I love swimming and I love diving and being in the ocean and in a, and in pools and water. It's there. There is something just kind of fundamentally enjoyable for me. Um, I mean, uh, in terms of fitness, what do you want to what do you want to talk about? What do you what what questions you got for me? So since you're the man that travels all the time for work, doing galleries, exhibitions, etc., just kind of seeing friends, uh, you seem to be in pretty good shape as is. Stay healthy, eat all these great foods, explore things. How do you kind of uh, keep a, a fitness a part of your life as you travel and kind of stay in shape? Oh, oh yeah, no, that's 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 actually a very good question, and it's it can be very difficult, and um, you know it's. It's so funny, like, I hear a lot of people, you know, they say, especially in terms of, like, working out or eating healthy, you know, oh, it's really easy to fall off the wagon. But I'm, uh, you know, I read neuroscience, and, I've, and I probably took too much psychology when I was in university. Um, but, you know, you can give, you can accidentally give more importance to a subject in your mind than you intend to. 
just by by discussing it or thinking of it in a certain way. And so I actually don't. I I try my best not to over to put too much importance on you know what I eat or how I eat because then it makes it in my mind it almost makes it a harder task to stay healthy. I I just think of it. I think of it like. I like these things. I like to feel this way, um, so I'm going to eat this way. Like I don't want to make it into this Herculean effort where I have to deny the foods I love. But it's because it's really not that. Like it's I the the foods that are good for you are usually enjoyable, and you know un- unless you're like doing it wrong. Um, I, I I do cook a lot, so. You know, in terms of eating good foods, it's really not that difficult. Um, when I am traveling, that's that's part of my purpose for finding, you know, the Google cheaper button on my restaurant maps. Um, because I can give myself, uh, a lot of times, like the cheapest food is the not the best. Um, I'm sorry if there's a little, uh, too much... Uh, uh, noise going on here. I'm at one of my favorite coffee shops, and um, several people just started singing all together. Which, which, despite this inconvenience, is one of the reasons this is one of my favorite coffee shops. Um, the t- two or three of the permanent staff, they they love them some musicals, and I I have more than once late at night when they are cleaning up. Uh, we we have broken into some Broadway hits, and you know what? Not disappointed about it. No. Um, but uh, okay, but yeah, they, they stop now, so we can resume the conversation. Um, no, I think I think it's not that hard. Um, I think it just ta- it takes. Honestly, I think it, like most things in life, it takes just slightly more brain power to do it right. Um, if you if you're clever about it, you know if you know how to like okay let's say I'll give you an example like when I'm traveling, let's say I'm in Los Angeles and I have a free night you know I, I don't have a meeting I don't have a dinner with anybody, I might go to the local supermarket, um, and you know that's on Google too, and I'll get something that I can make either easily or quickly that doesn't have too many carbs or sugars. Um, and that's that's probably the one of the things that I stay away from the most is is carbohydrates and sugars. Um, and I'm saying that with a beer in front of me, to just just to be completely honest with the listening audience. Um, but at the same time, I don't. I this is probably my first beer in. It's been a little while. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely no stranger to a beer once in a while either. <laughs> But at the same, well, and and you were saying you were saying like a lot of people that you know are concerned with fitness they don't drink, but but to be honest, I actually a lot of people that are concerned with fitness they just drink in a very specific way. Um, I, as as I think I told you a while ago, like I am kind of an obsessive podcast consumer, and I listen to The Nerdist, uh, and one of I, I think maybe my favorite episode out of their more than eight hundred and fifty was uh, uh, their interview with Katie Sackhoff. And um, do you, are you familiar with her? 
Okay, she was one of the stars of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, she was also in uh, the most recent Riddick movie. Uh, she's she's a very impressive woman, and she, for the most re- recent Riddick movie, she got like ripped beyond belief, and and she she was looking pretty good. Not not gonna lie, um, but, but also like just impressive, like deep respect, just. It kind of that you know that that super um, sexiness just from understanding the amount of work and time and effort that she put into getting to that point. Like I was just like, damn, whew, done. I'm done. Okay. Um, but uh, she on the on the podcast she was like, well, I still drink a little bit, but I'll just do straight vodka with like a lime or lemon. And so she would just, you know, kind of cut to the chase. And I've also heard from a few of my weightlifting friends, like, yeah, most of the, like, during the week, they won't do anything. But when it's, when it's, like, the weekend, like, Saturday, they'll do, like, the best they can by just having, like, they'll do, like, a couple straight shots. And or they'll do, like, cranberry juice. Um, they'll do, you know, a lime and cranberry juice and, like, a double or triple of vodka. Um, and you know, I think I think a general rule is that alcohol is bad. It dehydrates you. Um, the the process of your body metabolizing alcohol produces a lot of undesirable uh, substances, which is actually what causes your hangover. Uh, so it's you know, in general, uh, and and I mean you know it's alcohol. It's not really the best for your head or your liver or any real part of you. And and being drunken is actually alcohol poisoning. Um, when you get to the point of drunken, that's the alcohol having a poisonous effect on your neurons. Like that's literally what it is. So generally, yeah, not good. Um, but I think I think just like. If you are if you are thinking about your body in health terms or in fitness terms, I think that is that is usually the the general accepted way. Like everything in moderation. If you have a beer or a drink every so often, you know, once a week, um, I, I think I think it's fine. Uh, it's just it's just understanding that 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 is fine. You know, you you're I, I think. When I was younger, I always thought it was really hokey, like the idea of, oh, your body's a temple, you know, treat it as such, or in the Midwest, a church. Um, but, but honestly, it's it's kind of the deeper philosophy behind that, and just understanding that you're kind of stuck with your body. Um, you you are your body, and you're going to be with it for literally the rest of your life. So, if you don't want it to be falling apart and in pain, um, you know it's it's usually best to be kind of nice to your body. Yeah, there's that stigma too that people just kind of say uh, if you work out, you're like less tired, uh, things of that nature, or like you're fatter, like you're not as good shape. But then there's people like that run kind of marathons that are fat, and there's people that are skinny that aren't in shape at all, or actually just really like low kind of energy levels, things of that nature. So it's just kind of hard to tell. You don't want to sit there and tell me what's right or wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I and I, and I love that. Like, and uh. 
I and yeah, I don't like to speak from anecdote, but um, I was I was I was uh, shipping something out, and there was a woman that let's say was not in the best of shape, um, maybe by you know, maybe by two or three hundred pounds. Um, and she was saying, oh, she's so tired. And I was like, well, there's probably a reason. And I, you know, that that's, that's flippant, and I don't know that woman, and I don't know her life or what she's been going through, but... I don't know. It's I. It's I, I. think I think that can also be like a slippery slope, um, and and so generally I try not to get into that mindset of like instantly judging people because I do feel pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, it's. I, I I think I I think you're right. That you know, I when I I've had this discussion lately, like. Um, uh, with a few different friends of mine that, that I kind of grew up, like, I grew up in competitive swimming. Like, I grew up in athletics, you know, working out my body, exercising, like, and especially in my formative years, like, from, oh, God, like, 8 to 18, like, for a decade. But it was the decade when I was, like, literally developing into an adult person, at least physically. And so I got used to this feeling, like, this is how my body works. This is how my body should feel. This is, you know, I'm not meant to get out of breath when I run up a flight of stairs. And so I got used to that standard. That was my normal. And so when I don't exercise, when I'm not in shape, and I get out of breath, or I get, you know, I'm, I start sweating all of a sudden, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, wow, I really exerted myself that's not normal like that is not my average and and that's usually when i like you know start working out more and i think i think if you i think maybe for people that that want to get into athletics or get into you know being more healthy or being more fit like make that your new normal like accept that as normal and when you don't feel that way that's not normal and i think I think that might actually even be a stronger um, push than something that's bad. Like, I mean, if I sprain something or hurt something, I actually rest because I don't want to hurt it or sprain it again. But if something's not normal, if something's not right, I think that can be more disturbing. It can be like more jarring. Um, and maybe that could be more of a push for people. Um, and on honestly, I was just thinking this yesterday. I, I, I went. I had a a very nice long workout yesterday, and and I like I felt good. It was it was you know I I not only had that like endorphin high, but you know there were certain parts that hurt, but certain parts that didn't, and and I felt it felt positive. So I think I think when you get used to that feeling, it's it's something very different. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time, Andrew, coming on the show for a second time. You always have so much to say. It's so fun to just see how real you are and enjoyable it is to listen to some insights, some stories, some experiences you've shared in the past. Really thankful for you being on. No, no. Well, and I'm and I I thank you, thank you very much. That's that's wonderful praise. Um, at at the same time, um, I I have been accused of talking a little bit, so I'm I wasn't I wasn't really too concerned, and uh, you know it's and especially like 
you know, the the three Fs, um, all those things. You know, there's so much attached to them. I mean, hell, we could just focus on one of the Fs and and be fine. Um, but uh, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate you taking the time. So this was a great show with uh, Andrew Bridges, part two for sure. This guy, when I met him at Art Gallery here in Chicago at Praxis, I just knew he'd be a great guy to connect with. Uh, so genuine, so real, just full of stories and experiences that a lot of people may not be able to relate to, but it's just fun to kind of see things that he's gone through in his life and how he can kind of experience different cultures and the feedback he can give on that. We're so appreciative that he was able to come on the show a second time. So a lot of my listeners ask me on a regular basis what kind of shows I like to listen to on podcasts. So the number one show that I consume outside my own is the Art of Charm podcast, but there's two others that I really absolutely love. One brand new one came out by my friend Benjamin Warsinski called the Brand Experience Podcast. It's fantastic about branding yourself, your company, etc. I also love listening to Raj Nation. Put both those in the show notes for you guys to check out. Definitely check out those other podcasts we're now. Listening to my- if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food.